podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that, like the rest of Scotland, is eagerly awaiting the Gels figures. This week on Heart and Hand, we won 2-1. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week from somewhere in downtown Englandshire, former RST chairman, Mr Stephen Smith. David, how are you doing? I'm doing good, mate. How's life? I'm okay for a cyclops. I had a, a cataract operation last Friday, so I've only got one good eye. But actually, as I get sight back in my right eye, I genuinely have got a blue tint now. Okay. So I've now got a blue tint in my right eye. And it allows me to look in the world the way my actual football look does, so that's fab. Also, are you like David Bowie now? You've got like, two different coloured eyes. Do you know, I don't know. It's not settled down yet. It looks like somebody stabbed me in it, you know, so it's still filled with blood and what have you, but I can see out of it now, so yeah, well, I'm getting there. You're from, I'm getting there. You're from Paisley. You're supposed to look like that anyway. <laughs> Aye, my face always looked like a road accident. Aye, you're right. You're right. Now, before we go on to the match... Uh, from Saturday, where the Rangers defeated Motherwell by two goals to one. I'd like to talk to you because about something that happened last week, and the reason that I want to do this, Stevie used to live in the Birmingham area and has lots of friends from that area, and last week we were talking about Julian Lescott. The the Mm -hmm. deal at the 11th hour, of course, fell through, which we'll talk about the reasons for. But one thing is I can say to people that Smithy was absolutely 100% dead set against this move <laughs> from the second he heard about it and did a celebratory dance when it was uh, when it didn't come to fruition so for those who you know I, I thought it would probably be a good thing said that last week um, I was disappointed that it didn't go through although if the reasons are what certainly everything I've heard from within the club suggests that it was, in fact, the, the medical came back and it was too much of a risk for the club to invest, even the kind of money, which might not be a lot to Julian Lescott, but it was a lot to us, and they just felt they couldn't take the risk. That He could have gone on and played every game this season equally. He could have been sitting in the stand and you know only playing 10, and the idea, certainly from what I'm hearing in the club, was that maybe in England a club can afford to take the risk and go, ah, what the hell, you know, if he's if he's fit, great, if he's not, he's not, but that we couldn't. But, you know, come at me the mm. other the other point of view then, Stephen. Well, I mean, on, on paper, uh, he would have been a good player, but as we know, uh, football isn't played in paper. And um, I, I, what, what really worried me, David, was the fact that, that him and Micah Richards ought to have been Arguably one of the better centre-back pairs in the Premier League last year. Yep, agreed. But it was actually the worst, the worst Aston Villa team in a series of really bad ones that we've seen over the last decade or so uh, that have taken that very proud, honourable club with a very good support down uh, to the Championship where they'll have to scrap for their lives. So, I mean, I, I couldn't really see any upside to us. 
to him coming, you know, it costs a lot of money, and more than that, we'd have got a player at the end of his career whose attitude absolutely stinks. And I think the one thing that broke it for me was him uh, the day after Liverpool beat them. I'm trying to remember. I think it was six nothing. Yeah, it was a hand. Uh, and Villa, Villa fans were going absolutely postal on social media about it, and, and you know, post a whole load of stuff. Uh, he tweeted a picture of a very high end spec car, just basically saying thanks for this mugs, you know, just waving a middle finger at them. Uh, as if to say, I don't care what you say, I don't care about your club, and I don't care the fact we've just been spanked six now. Here's my nice flash car, and that's that's an outrageous, outrageous thing to do for any football fan. You know, I, I'd even feel if that would be done to Celtic fans in the same situation, I would I would still be angry at the disrespect shown to punters who pay for football. You know, angry outrageous. slash laughing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't. It's me you're talking to. You don't need to put on your good face here in case it gets out. It's you know, it's it's basically. Well, it, just it, it is one of those things. Don't get you know. Don't get me wrong. I wish every L in the world, every conceivable L in the world, in Celtic Football Club. But but actually, you know, from a from a kind of punters modern football perspective, and 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 Scott says a lot about this quite rightly. It's one of those modern football things where these people are getting telephone number salaries are so far distanced from the people who support them that they, they can just do these kind of things and think it's all right to do it. And that's for me, that was it. So I had seen no evidence, David, of the, the fact that he was all of a sudden going to turn back into the England international centre-back who did so well for Everton and Manchester City, you know, and, and that we weren't going to get uh, Lescott uh, 2.0, mm. who was arguably our most important position. Because yeah, yeah. you and I, everybody in our in our circle knows that that we need a centre back more than any other player. You know, we've got Joe Garner now. Hopefully, that's going to be the piece of the jigsaw that will that will kind of manage to convert the chances we make up front. But we do need at least one centre half, and I, I was yet to be convinced uh, that Julian Lescott was the player to do that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I. I, I I said last week people can go back and listen to the pod. I thought he would improve the improve the defence if we were getting someone who was committed. And there was the argument that you know the, the attitude he showed last season at Villa was honking. And oh. I think that it did concern me a bit that you you're obviously much closer to people in Birmingham, closer to a lot of uh, Villa fans than I am, and uh, they don't just you know, think the guy had a bad season. I mean, it's sheer undiluted hatred. So who knows, maybe we've dodged a bullet. What I will say is, speaking to people from within the club, the the noise is coming back where, look, it's not that he failed a medical, you know, per se in the classic terms. It's the case of there were concerns about it. It's one of these situations where everybody's, you know, there's a bit of truth in something everybody's saying. But there yes. was uh, some concern about that. Lescott also had concerns about moving his family up north. It just wasn't the right deal for for to you know to go through, and that Rangers are still actively looking for another centre half. Um, yeah. To the match, um, mm-hmm. we'll come back Aye. to Joe Garner later. But to the match itself, uh, we played Motherwell and very, I thought, reminiscent of the Hamilton game, except with a happier ending, that in the first half, I thought we were very poor. I thought we were laboured. I didn't think we created many chances, bar one sitter for Kenny Miller, um, which he should have scored. We then gave away another really, really avoidable goal, um, rallied in the second half, were the better side in the second half, Certainly, I I wouldn't get upset at Motherwell fans arguing that 
they, they probably deserved a point, I think, on the balance of the match. They probably did. However, I'm not going to be upset at, uh, at, at getting the win. And as I've, as I've said, um, the great thing now about having two scousers in the team is you're always liable to nick something. Aye, indeed, hubcaps as well. I mean, to, to me, it was a reprise of the Tommy McLean days at Motherwell, David, when they would come with a five-five-zero formation, <laughs> you know, and, and and try and bore everybody to death. And Doogie Arnott would nick the winner. Remember him, Doogie? Oh, you know, uh, they no, they come with no intention of winning. I remember uh, a very old episode of Follow Follow. There was, a, you know, the team picture where everybody sat on benches, yeah. and somebody written underneath it: Motherwell unveiled their new formation for Ibrox next season. <laughs> and I thought that that just about summed it up. You know, but so I was. I actually, I actually think we did deserve to win it because we were trying to win the game and they weren't. Um, and and we didn't really. Uh, we gave them a lot of room to play, and I think I think it was fair to say that in midfield, Barton and Rossett and Halliday didn't you know didn't set the header on fire that we need a bit more creativity in yeah, there. Stevie, I don't uh, think that works. The three of them. I, I don't. Th- Listen, I think you can play, and I think you should play two of those three. And I, I've been seeing some comments on the lines of, "Well, we don't need Rossett and Barton." Yeah, we do. They're two of our best players And this idea that they can't play together is is nonsense So I would pick those two first If one of them is missing for whatever reason Or out of form for whatever reason Then I would happily put Andy Halliday in I like Andy, I rate him higher And I think maybe certain other people do He he does a a decent job in there But I would not play the three of them Because then I think you're, you're really limiting your options Given what we do have And I think we miss a runner So whether it's Holt or Windass uh, would would yeah. get the nod from me because well, I, I think we I, I missed think, the I, runner. I, I think the other the other thing I don't know about you, Dave. I thought uh, uh, Taverni was our best player in the day, yeah. uh, and and I think partially because he has realised that in a higher division he will have to do far more defending and holding his position. So we're not getting him and Wallace buccaneering forward as you know as auxiliary wingers all the time, which puts a bit more pressure on our on our middle three mm. to do more creating. So we do need. We do need Holt in there, or or we need Harry Forrester in there. We need creativity in that in that middle third with a bit more solidity, you know. So so these are tinkering round the edges, really, because I, I do believe that we have the squad uh, that that once we get that right formation, we will be far far better. But it's early days, and you know we're unbeaten, three games in the bounce, you know seven points. I'm I'm not complaining. No, we're, we're doing already what we needed to be, which is be competitive. And then we'll have to we'll have to see if we can push on a wee bit now. Again, though, if you were looking for positives, and I'm glass half empty, I was watching it with Scott. Um, mm. So you've, between us, uh, you, you've got well a, a glass half full, really, um, because <laughs> he's, he's a miserable bastard, and I'm not. And the two of us were sitting sort of watching this, and and he said, "Right, come on, you're Mister Positivity. Find one." I said, "Well, again, last season, oh, yeah." Completely different set of circumstances, so it's a silly point. I won't make it, but we didn't have anything off the bench, okay. No. Whereas now we were able to go at the bench, and I thought that Cranshire, with two fantastic mm. pieces of skill, created the opportunities to win the match for us. And credit also to Kenny Miller for popping up and putting it, uh, putting it away. Again, this was classic Kenny Miller. First half, time to think about it, makes an arse of it. Second yep. half, just latches, does it on instinct, beautiful finish. Yep. No, that's, that's exactly, exactly sums it up, and and that's that is what we're going to get with Cranshaw, David. We're going to get flashes of brilliance. We're not going to get the ninety minutes no. of uh, covering the pitch the way we did for uh, let's say Jason Holt last season. Yeah. Uh, but but we're just going to have to accept uh, that 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 creativity that you have in that player, the eye for the pass. The uh, Barry Mackay has it as well. That those kind of players, you know, that's what they're in the team to do. 
and um, and that's what we're going to get from them, and we need them. That's what we're going to need when we face. I think most teams are going to come to Ibrox and sit in. Absolutely, so they should. Oh, I don't blame them. Even now, right? I don't blame yeah. them. I'm I'm not one of these people who would be upset about that. I do agree. It's not that much fun to watch, but it goes back to the Fiorentina semi-final for us. It's like, oh, you know how. And I heard people at Ibrox and Saturday saying, "Oh, they've got ten men behind the ball." And I'm like, well, you know that that that's the kind of advocate thing of how dare they not just stand back and watch our beautiful football and let us win. You know, it's, it's <laughs> Arsene Wenger. Yes, teams are going to. Do do this against us and it's up to us yeah. but what impressed me looking as again you know the glass half full what impressed yeah. me was that we then did come up with something to combat that we did have yeah. a player on, on Saturday it was Cranchia Forrester's done it in the past um, I, I think O'Halloran once he learns to do something with the round spherical thing will also be yeah. useful in this regard because he's you know physicality fantastic pace to, you know scared defenders it's just yep. then making something happen with the ball. But I, I do think that we've got positives that we can take out uh, that, that we can take out of that match. And of course three points and that side mouth bastard McGee was pig sick. Yep. So you know. Yeah. Well that's a that's a that's a bonus really to see somebody who's who's come there effectively to, to kill not just to kill a beautiful game, but to bury it eight feet under, stamp down and build a car park on top of it. Mm. You know, gets his, his best laid schemes all forty pieces uh, in front of us because, you know, and he's an ex Celtic player as well, so that's a bonus really. And he's I mean, never, from let's from, face it, he's never from given up hope of becoming a future Celtic employee again, does he? I no, mean, no, the no, guy's yeah, well, these teams are always, you know, it's all it's like shooting practice for Celtic teams against uh, against any team coached by Mark McGee, which you know I don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat man, but you know I am. So yeah, I will. That's fair enough. I mean, I think in terms of our creativity, there we've got as you said, there we've got Windass, we've got Hope, we've got Waghorn, Mackay, Forrester, and Cranshaw, and arguably O'Halloran on a good day. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a good. That's three, six, seven. That's seven, eight players that we have who are all looking to create and link middle to front and create chances. And I don't think we'll, we'll struggle for it this year. We just need the combination of perseverance and the bottle to stick with the plan uh, and, to, and to play that way. And I, and I think Rangers will be as good to watch this year as they were last year. You know, We're not going to be throwing heartfuls of goals in because teams are, better teams are going to be defending in depth against us. But it's still going to be good to watch from our point of view. Mm. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, now, you and I had a slight disagreement about this after the match that I thought yep. our two centre-backs were absolute garbage on Saturday. <laughs> I, it was just, honestly, the whole team actually, especially for the, in the first half, didn't win enough 50-50s all over the park. And in fact, the, the Motherwell goal came from losing a 50-50 in the middle. Of, in fact, it was probably more 70-30 because it was two of our midfielders went in and didn't come away with the ball. But it happened all over the field. But I was particularly annoyed that our centre-halves were bullied by Scott McDonald. Now, I also saw people say that they lost far too much in the air to him. And I saw people say, oh, well, you know, he was fouling them constantly and the ref let, let them away with it. I was one of them. I know. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to go the opposite way and say, nah, to me, that's just good striking play. That He played on the edge of what the ref was going to let him away with. Yes, he was doing all the tricks and, you know, the, the, the kind of dark arts, but that's, that's part of football. Um... I, maybe it's I don't, I don't hate Scott McDonald for 
two reasons that you know you can probably yeah. bring to yeah. mind quite quickly. Not unrelated to Motherwell. No, no. Um, so maybe it's that. But I just thought it was good striking play. I thought that he used all his experience to bot for doing a really difficult job. I thought he was the man of the match. Of you know looking at it with the blue tinted specs off um, and I don't think it's a, an excuse for a 6 foot 4 guy and a 6 foot 3 guy who are both built like tanks to say oh the wee guy the, the 5 foot 7 guy kept pushing me you know I actually don't think they are that tall but, but you, you get my point I thought yep. that it was far too easy and if someone of that build and limited physical uh, abilities because of his age these days can do that to your eyebrows. What's it going to be like when you're up against the high flying, t- tall, powerful striker away from home? That's a good question. And, and to be honest, David, that that is a, that is a good point, really, because if if McDonald had been played for Rangers and done that, you know, against a better team, you know, in an away performance, we'd be lauding them in the high heavens and going, "That's great." But I mean, that kind of ref, the kind of refereeing that Bobby Martin showed us, I think, is is. It's not a surprise to see it. You just expect that, that you know the, the standard of officiating is going to improve, and actually, it's as bad as it ever was in Scotland. Mm. And that's been the case for a very long time. And I know other fans of other clubs will talk about you know other concerns that they have. I'm talking about the general standard of officiating, which in my view, I mean, for example, I thought their goal when it, when I looked at it in real time, that I thought he he's got to be offside for that, you know, and then. You had a whole load of people saying, oh no, it took a deflection, so that stops it being offside. No, when a ball's played forward, the second that ball's played forward, that player's offside. doesn't matter if it takes a deflection or not, only after he makes it into, the, into an onside position. So it's, you know, that that was kind of questionable for me, but that's, that's by the yeah, by. Agree, they got, they got the goal play. Play. but I agree with you, I thought it was offside. Actually, you're right, you're right, in the sense that uh, McDonald shouldn't be bullying uh, Wilson, particularly Kiernan, and Kiernan's the one. I mean, I, I don't rate Danny Wilson at all, and I think most Rangers fans are on the same kind of boat. The jury is is very much out. I think I'm really disappointed in Rob Kiernan for a number of reasons. I think he started last season pretty well. He had a shady spell about halfway through the season. He improved, and then at the tail end of it, he was absolutely unspeakably bad. So. You know, it was a real mixed performance from him. And looking back at that period where I thought he was going to be a player for us, he was really quite tigerish in a tackle. You know, he was quite aggressive. And I thought, good for you. You know, that's you're the kind of player you need. But there's no sign in that now. I don't know what's happened. He is not firing into tackles and not being the, the aggressive, assertive centre-half that we need him to be because his partner certainly isn't going to fulfil that role. No. Wilson's a dirtier player than Kiernan, but he's no, he's not even clever enough to get away with that. Mm. So that gives me a real concern, you know, and that, that kind of informed my position in the whole Lescott thing because I was thinking, well, you know, that's not going to be a whole lot better no. uh, when we're paying big money for Jolie and Lescott. So, you know, we have, we still haven't fixed that problem. That's still my major concern going into this, uh, going into this season. Okay, we're only three, four games in. But, you know, I still absolutely think we need to get that sorted. I'm not sure if, if our man Senderos is the answer to that, but I'll tell you what, I'd be struggling to come up with him not being better than either Wilson or Kiernan and certainly Clint Hill. My concern about... yeah, It's funny, actually, that see, when you mentioned Clint Hill there, was the first I thought of him as an option, and I think in my mind I may have already written him off, which may be unfair. I actually thought he would do as a turn this year, but he yep. has... Uh, if you like, his his ability has decomposed at a quicker rate than I thought. I, I'd seen him a couple of times last season and thought, well, it's a higher level. He was okay, so he, and nah. Um, so maybe I'm being unfair there, but certainly I've already in my mind almost written him off as an option. 
I think I can't really base this on a lot. It's just a suspicion. Um, because of some of the performances you mentioned there where Kiernan did play very well last season. Right. Um, he did have an up and down season, whereas I think Wilson's got a, a baseline and, and a kind of top line and they're not that far apart. I think Kiernan can be worse than Wilson on occasion, oh, I- but he can also be a lot better. Whereas I, I think Wilson's a between 4 out of 10 and 6 out of 10 player all the time and that's that's not good mm-hmm. enough. You know, the top end isn't good enough and the low end isn't no. good enough. Whereas I think no. that Kiernan can get up to the 8s and 9s, but he can also hit you with the 2s the and 3s. I I have a suspicion that Kiernan might be the type of centre-half who plays to the level of the guy next to him. Mm-hmm. That if you've got someone next to him who's composed and has that bit of authority, that Kiernan... Because I think Kiernan a lot of the time, I've mentioned this in the pod before, I think when he thinks he's having a bad game he begins to make really bad decisions. He goes, char- you know, to try and make up for it. Um, yeah. the, the old baseball title. analogy. Yeah, yeah, the old baseball analogy that he, he, he want one swing to get back in the game. So he want, he'll run out and try and intercept a ball that he's got no chance of getting and then, you know, be completely out of position. Or he'll go for headers he's got no chance of getting. Then he thinks, right, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So when he should be trying to intercept the jockeys, you know, and just his game falls yeah. apart. Whereas I think if he had a partner next to him who could say, right, okay, calm him down, bring that sort of calmness and authority to the defence, then he would improve. I do agree about Senderos. Look, I can't sit here, I'd be a hypocrite to sit and go, oh, Philippe Senderos, you know, you look at where he's played, I would be doing that as very much a glass half full that I've then peed in to bring the level up because (laughs) every time I had seen Philip Senderos in his career, I have thought he was a cart horse and I couldn't believe the clubs he was playing for. Um, He looked a dud at Arsenal, he looked a dud at AC Milan. I'm hoping that if he arrives at Rangers, he is is far better than I've just been really unfair or caught him on bad occasions. Um, But, yeah, certainly my experience of Senderos, which probably amounts to watching him only on TV, never live, but maybe about... 30 times over the last 10 years um, has has been unfair to him and I've, I've built up the wrong impression of him but but time will tell Joe Garner thoughts? Mm. Yeah well well, I mean the first thing I did the joy of Facebook is and, and you should know I used to live in the North West England Sonny Blackpool and, and worked in Preston for a while so I know a lot of PNE fans and, and I was I was straight on to two or three of them asking uh, what happened and, and a guy I used to work with Mark Shuttleworth said that he said very much, he says, look, like Morris Johnson in the sense that he will win a lot of headers. He's not a tall guy, but he wins a lot of headers. He's, he's got a good spring. You know, he's creative. He's scored some important goals. And he, he's a pest. He'll never stop. And what, which is why he's a war, he'll be a Warburton player, David, because he's never going to, his work rate's phenomenal. He doesn't give defenders any peace. You know, and I think if we go back to the high pressing game that we were, uh, playing and haven't done so far, the played last season and haven't done this year, then you know Gamma would fit into that. Um, I'm not sure whether he'd be out and out scorer, but you know the standard he's playing at is equivalent to where he was. Probably a little bit easier. So I think in a better team, uh, I think he'll do it. And again, I'm back. I'm just back to manager's judgment. I clearly haven't seen enough of the player to make a real assessment, but obviously I'm optimistic that he'll uh, do a turn for us, and obviously he'll get up here, he'll come, in, he'll come to Ibrox, he'll look at the size of the crowd, you know, away away from home as as well as at home, and go and respond to that, hopefully. Well, so, you know, I'm fairly optimistic. Yeah, me too, because in much the same way with Senderos, when I have seen Joe Garner, and that hasn't been as often, it's maybe six or seven times over the last few years, I've always no. thought, he, he looks a good player. Um 
and I have usually been impressed with them. This was mainly at League One level rather than Championship, simply because Preston were going for promotion, so tended to feature more yeah. on those games than when they were in the, the Championship. And yeah, I've always thought, oh, he, he's a right good player, that Joe Garner. And um, I'm hoping that, yeah, exactly, that he'll come and, and do that. He is a hard worker, which helps. It's not He's not a guy that maybe like Nico is going to come and the fans might get on his back a little bit because of a, a certain, shall we say, a, a certain loose style. That, yes. that maybe that sometimes yes. fans can can mistake players like that for a lack of effort when it's simply just Aye. not the way they play. He'll get stuck in, and I think that that's that that's important. And and yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful that I like the look of Dodo as well. I have to say, I mean, he's very raw. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I do think he's a very decent player um, potentially. But it's it's how much game time is he liable to get given the competition for places up there? That's possibly the only the only thing at the moment that might hinder him. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, with Waghorn's injury, that'll give us an opportunity to get a decent look at him. You know, I'd be I'd be disappointed if he didn't get a decent amount of game time, David. You know, rather than uh, stick with Kenny Miller, because uh, as you've seen, you know, if you give Miller an opportunity to think about what he's doing, you know, the panic sets in. But if you know, if you ask him to just flash a, a foot at a ball coming over and and take a chance, then he'll score. So, you know, I'd rather I'd rather see a prospect for the future because really, you know, Leicester had a very decent squad last year um, I, think we've been, I think we're lucky to get him and I think it'd be a shame to you know, to keep him on the bench uh, when we've got an opportunity with Waghorn being out to yeah. give him a run Yeah me too, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him in the side and uh, like I say he's very raw but the only way you knock the edges off a player is with, is with first team football Okay, then that kind of wraps up part one. Um, one of the reasons we invited Stevie onto the pod as well as being uh, our man in the south, we wanted to have a quick chat to him about uh, the English Premiership. So that's what we're going to do. Well, Stevie, um, you're down there. Um, what are what? What's the kind of general feeling? It's an exciting season. Lots of new managers coming in. Um, there possibly is an argument that the stars are in the dugout in the, the EFL because uh, the or EPL rather because uh, for all the money, the top players still seem to be at Barca, Real, Bayern, um, mm-hmm. and that although English, you know, they, they can they can spend a lot of money. That the real top top guys. That's where they want to go, and then the next level go to England. But it's certainly not the case in the dugout where we've got. Obviously, we already had Klopp, and now you, uh, Klopp Wenger. Now you're seeing the arrival of well, Mourinho, I suppose, was there, but in uh, a new dugout, Pep, obviously, and uh, Antonio Conte. What what uh, what's the kind of prevailing wisdom down there about who's looking good and and who who are people most excited about? I think it's um, it's a bit early to say, David. You know, and the, and the evidence of what I've seen, you know, the, the best performing manager in, in the league is Mike Feeling at Hull. But okay. um, by um, obviously, obviously, that's not going to last. No, but even uh, so, what, I mean, that that fantastic two results. I mean, you're only going for forty, getting six, and you're opening two matches is a hell of a start. It's it's amazing. And bear in mind the state of the club, mm. you know, and the whole fans have got a lot to to be unhappy about and to complain about. And obviously, you know, the the situation on and off the pitch for them isn't fantastic. And I think they've got about three fit players, so they're doing really well. Um, and you know, it'd be daft to to 
to rule them out from, from falling down. Um, it'll be interesting, I think, from our point of view, leaving aside the obvious top level matches to see how Ronald Koeman does it at Goodison. Yeah. As, as I, somebody think, with I think that's an interesting, yeah. an interesting move there. We had a, you know, obviously Everton are a club with a with a great history, but Southampton, you could argue, have done better than they have in the last, certainly in the last five, probably a wee bit longer uh, years. So it's whether that's a proper uh, move for a coach who I think was outstanding. Uh, Southampton have done exceptionally well, I think, in the last few years. Um, I would say, in terms of immediate impact, the most obvious immediate impact, I think, has been improving Manchester United. They look like a Mourinho team is the kind of perceived wisdom, and, and he will have them playing much more solidly. He will have them very, very difficult to beat. There's a kind of myth about Mourinho that it's, you know, he's, the football uh, that he's responsible for isn't attractive. And, and I'm, I've never subscribed to it, David. You know, it's, it's winning you. football, and, and it's decent, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be at Chelsea or at Real or at Inter. I thought, I thought his teams were always decent to watch. Yeah, I, I think that it's winning football first. I mean, mm. that's that's the thing. He does try to play attractive football, but if he can't, he will do what he can to win the points. I, I don't have a problem with that. That's the kind of attitude I like at Rangers. Um, win the battle first and last, and then you know, then you play your good football. I think you know we saw in the rally when it becomes too pragmatic, then or, or rather too much geared to the result is all that matters. But I do think that Mourinho tries that. Watching Man U in the first two matches, I watched both of them um, live, and what is apparent is that they seem to have their, for lot of a better term, balls back. There's a swagger about them. And I think it was mm-hmm. interesting that he came out with that at the start of the season with a, yeah, we need to win the league, or we're certainly going to go for it. Um, I'm not going to give it the whole, law. Oh, we need to improve. And obviously, you know, he, he said, nah, we're Man United. And I think that that attitude has sparked something in the club. City, mm-hmm. I think, look very impressive already, and you can see the effects yeah. of the coach that they've got. I think that he's made a very sensible decision in Joe Hart, who I think yeah, um, yeah. is 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 a good goalkeeper, but not a top level one. And I think that they're getting a better one in Bravo from Barcelona. Um, but the improvement in and the way they've been playing football already, and even you can see in games that they're not quite sure. Oh, sorry, that they make the odd mistake because they're still adapting. To what he wants them to do, but you can see it start to come into shape. The improvement yeah. in the likes of Sterling already. Yeah, and Navis, David. And Navis, Navis, yeah. Navis looks a much improved player. Yeah. You know, he was a, a peripheral kind of shadowy figure for them last season. Oh, he looks a much better player. You know, and they go- and they have Aguero, who's when fact the best player in England. You know, oh, he, he, he just I'd, has. I'd, yeah, I'd pay to watch him shave. You know, he's, he's a joy to watch, really. No. Um, and and they are going to, I think they are going to challenge. So they obviously, you know, both Manchester clubs will challenge. Whether Chelsea will 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 be good enough, I think we'll, we'll, we could ask ourselves a question this again in uh, probably in about a week or a week and a half. Because there's a big question about whether uh, 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 Conte is going to be funded you know, by Abramovich to go out and get the kind of top quality to take them on a step and, and let them compete with, let's say, Manchester City uh, or United under Mourinho, who obviously, you know, they bankrolled them. I mean, the money that's been paid for Paul Bogba is just, it's obscene. Yeah, it is. But it, it's a statement of intent and it says, if he's the best player and that's what it costs, we will have him. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously Abramovich isn't going to be playing for pennies either, even at the tail end of his career. But, you know, he, he's a real... That's a real fans' favourite, and and he looks like he's not here to be a passenger either. Some of the some of the stuff I've seen from him has been pretty impressive. So you know I can't see Arsenal getting anywhere near to those three. 
usual story with them. They need a they need a centre half and a centre forward, very much like ourselves. Um, and I don't think they're going to get them, uh, and I don't think they're going to be competitive enough, and I don't think Liverpool will either for the same same reasons. You know, nice that they got uh, you know Man is a better player, but you know they haven't. I don't think they've got the quality. So I think in terms of winning it, you're looking at Chelsea either or Manchester clubs, and at this stage, I think it's very early to say. Yeah, um, what them's going to come through. Totally agree with you, which will probably make us a boring segment for people because uh, I think that I think that it will be the two Manchester clubs um, and and possibly Chelsea. I think that the thing that would make me think Chelsea will be up and about is that I really rate Conte. You know, being a big fan of Italian football, I mean, I, I genuinely don't think that people in England quite get yet how good a manager he is. He is a terrific manager and very passionate and just what they need. Uh, of course, it could all go tits up and he could be fired by November because that's Chelsea for you. But I do think that he is an extraordinarily talented coach and he'll do really well. And not having any other distractions, if you like, in terms of European football and being able... He's a coach, you know, as well as... A, he's not just a manager. And having them every week will be beneficial to them. So I think it, uh, that's three of the top four. Um, it's mm-hmm. you know, too early to say in, in, wh- in which order and there's too many other factors, but... I would, you know, probably lean towards United at the moment, yeah. um, but that could change. But I would say that they are three of the top four. The other contenders, you know, Arsenal, Spurs, and Liverpool. Liverpool, mm-hmm. I just don't think of the squad. I agree with you. I think they've got a terrific manager, um, but I think already with the Burnley, you can see the inconsistency, and that's what will hurt Liverpool. They'll win games against great opposition really well, and then they'll lose a stupid fixture that you think, how the hell have you contrived not to win that? And I think that that's what will damage them. Not ruling them out for that fourth spot. I'm just saying I don't think they'll get it because I think Spurs will. Um, I think Spurs settled squad, really, really good coach, knows what he wants to do. Only thing that might interfere with that is that some of the England players looked shattered at the Euros, and if that uh, is that reaction to you know the likes of of Rose, Ali, Kane, etc., uh, Walker, then they may struggle because those are key players. But if they keep everyone fit, he's added sensible signings. Wanyama will come in and do a job that they they need. Him and Dyer as as old midfielders, I think, are as good as anyone. In, in that yep. league, and um, you know they've added Jansen up front as a talented player and can take some of the the if you like the responsibility away from Kane. So I think it will be between those two. Arsenal, I think this is a year that it could finally fall apart. It's the last year of Wenger's contract. You saw that you saw in the second half at Liverpool that stadium's like a powder keg. It's ready to go off all the time, I, and they need that. to keep winning just to avoid that and. When you look at the squad, you look at them now chasing around trying to get players in. Um, it's just it's, it's not good enough. I mean, Arsenal should be competing. There's no reason for Arsenal not to be competing for these guys like Ibrahimovic, etc. Uh, okay, they no. don't want to spend hundred million on the likes of Pogba, but for them not to be spending the money on Mustafi and Lacazette, who both they've both been linked with and would have improved their squad dramatically, I just find insane. Yep. And I think that they've. Yep. They deserve actually a bit of credit because although people have said, you know, oh, they always finish, you know, qualifying for Europe, that's all that matters to them. There, there is an element of, well, yes, but all the other big clubs, City, United, well, maybe not so much City, but they've had bad years, but, you know, certainly Chelsea, United, Liverpool, etc. I've had terrible seasons over the last few years, whereas Arsenal have yeah. always been consistent. But I mm. think that this is the year that 
I just think all the other clubs have taken step forward. All the clubs we've mentioned so far will be better than they were last year. I would say that confidently. I don't think any of them are going to regress. Everton, there's somebody with Everton leanings. I'm very excited with, with the sign of Koeman. Um, yeah. I think you've got then maybe the likes of Southampton, Stoke, Leicester, who are all solid, comfortable mid-table, possibly pushing onwards, but I think solidly mid-table. And then everybody else is looking over their shoulder. But I just I, I can see Arsenal finishing sixth or seventh. Well, I had a look at the at the players they signed, Davey. They, they, they signed uh, Asano from uh, Hiroshima for three and a half million. Rob Holden for Bolton for two and a half. Uh, Wakali from uh, Diamond Academy, three million. And Zaka from uh, Borussia is their only big signing at 35 million. But they didn't player. need him. They didn't need him. They need, and, and now there's talk of uh, them going in for Johnny Evans of all people. I think something like fifteen million pounds quoted. You know that for that you know the guy who wasn't good enough to play in a very average United team, and and was kind of average again at West Brom. So I don't really see how he's going to he's going to be the player that takes them on that step. They need that outstanding centre half, and they need the centre forward. They can't rely on Oxlade Chamberlain and Theo Walcott, you know, who makes Paul McStay look like undeveloped potential. <laughs> you know, they can't they can't rely on these players to chip in with any more than about eight, ten, twelve goals a season because yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. They need that finisher, and 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 that they, as you and I both know, cost a huge amount of money and have to front up. You know, yeah. So. I, I don't. I don't really see how it's going to work for them. Yeah, and that, that's it. I just I look round the squad and I think you've got talent, there's no doubt. But he'll say things like, "Well, you know, when we get Jack Wilshere back, it's been two years. You can't count on uh, that. You know, he's, he's, really, exactly. Really. You can't count on that. Walcott will give you the odd good game, but you can't count on him. Oxley Chamberlain no. pl- perennially injured. Um, Welbeck's a I, good player, but he's not a great one. Giroud, I think, is, gets a lot of flat. He's a good player. He's not a great one. The one great yep. player is Sanchez. We saw last season when he gets injured how badly that affects him, and it you know it certainly can happen. I, I just I just don't see it for them. I think so. the, the only other player I would I would be optimistic about them is Aaron Ramsey on the basis of the, how how well he performed for Wales. You know, he looked like a player. In those, in those Euros and I thought well yeah, that's much better let's see if you can replicate that kind of form back for your team but, because they need me to do it I, you know? but I don't think that the way Arsenal plays suits them because with Arsenal it's all, you know, the one touch and the quick moving and passing Wales used them as a box to box midfielder and much the way I think United will use Pogba and I think if Ramsey was playing at a team that there was more scope to do that that you were if you like the kind of midfield general and you said to, to that you put Ramsey in centre mid next to a tackler or a, or a kind of you know traditional defensive midfielder, and said to him, right, you know you're the guy who goes box to box, um, and you have your wee creative number ten further forward. I think that would work as it did for Wales with Bale doing that that role and uh, Allen in behind him. So yeah. I think that, that he's a good player, but like happens a lot with Arsenal, there's a lot of kind of square pegs and round holes. Um, yeah. so, well my top four then and people can bookmark this and come back at the end of the season then I'm going to ask for yours uh, not in any order but my top four are Manchester United Manchester City Chelsea and I'm going to say Spurs in fourth ok uh, I will go uh, I'll go City above United uh, and Chelsea in third and if you ask me to pick a team fourth Middlesbrough <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> go as a big surprise packing. Actually, as a serious point there, I actually think Middlesbrough are going to do well this so, year. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll have no problem. Clearly, that's not a serious. It's not a serious proposition for fourth, but I think they'll be a surprise package, and I do expect them to finish in the top ten. Yeah. So, just for interest sake, we'll say that rather than Spurs, which is the obvious choice. They will be. Uh, they will do fine. They have a good manager. They are solid at the back and. Um, now with Negredo I think they've added the goals that will turn the odd draw into a win that, that that promoted teams often struggle with other end of the table then who are your three to go down ok uh, I will say Hull City almost definitely um, I'm going to say Watford mm-hmm. and you know West, West Brom I think will struggle this year um, Sunderland are perennial strugglers um, and I don't think you can rule Burnley out either um, do you know something I think if, if Christian Benteke doesn't work out for Crystal Palace and yes. I think there's a very strong chance that, that he won't I think Palace are going to struggle I think Palace will struggle but be saved by as they were last season by the fact that Pardew teams will go on streaks and I think that he will probably just as he's at death's door and about to be fired, win five games in a row, and that will see, and then lose every other game at the end. Of the, you know what I mean? And but they'll be all right. Yeah. Um, so I think, but I agree with you hundred percent. They are one of these teams that seem to be on one of these downward momentum curves, and they're hard to shift out of, um, as Villa are finding. And I, I think they'll be saved by the fact they'll have three worst teams. I think Burnley will go down just uh-huh. simply squad depth. I think will hurt them. If anything happened to Andre Gray, I don't see where the goals come from. So yeah. I think Burnley will go down. I think Sunderland. I just look at that team and it's such a mosaic of you can see a club there that's had six managers in in four years because there's mm. nothing fits together. You know, there, there's all these players signed by different managers. There's Man United cast-offs all over the shop. There's reserves from other clubs. There's, I just you know I don't see it. I really don't. And I think that this is the year. I also. I, I think David Moyes is a quite talented manager, but I think he's a talented manager who's been stripped of a lot of, by circumstance and experiences of the last few years, that have stripped him of a lot of his uh, uh, luster. And I think that it, it may have affected him. And I think this might be the year that it catches up with Sunderland. So I'm going to say Burnley, Sunderland. And while I agree with you about Palace, I'll say Hull, because again, I think that great start notwithstanding, I, just, I don't see the squad and they don't have time um, in this window to put it right so yeah I'll, no. I'll say them with, with regret because I think you know um, their fans have had to put up with a lot of shit they should be excited about being in the Premier yeah. League and, and that's been taken away from them which I think is, is abhorrent to be quite honest with you so, yeah I'll tell you one team that neither of us have mentioned and that's Bournemouth I think so, it'll be fine yeah no, I, think, I just think again there are worse teams than them I don't think Bournemouth will be great but I think there are worse teams than them and uh, yeah. I, I do. I think that they'll they'll do all right. I think they'll get enough to to stay up because they showed last season that without you know that they can take injuries because they got some shocking injuries last year uh-huh. and and they were they were okay. But I don't expect them to pull up any trees. But I, I think they'll have enough about them to, to to. But it could be one of those seasons where you've got you know six teams going for the title, two or three comfortably mid table, and the rest fighting relegation. 
Well, Alan, Bournemouth have signed eight new players, you know, so I think they'll they'll bolster the squad, and they they seem to be using using their money, and they're another team that are, are difficult to beat. Yeah, and they punched well above their weight last year, so I think they were a surprise package because I and a good number of other people I think expected them to go straight back down. You know, I've, I've, I've you know Hull, Palace, and Watford would be the three if, if you ask me to choose. I would say. Um, Palace obviously the long shot there because I do expect them to probably stay above there but I'm thinking I'm just on the basis that if Benteke doesn't work out then all of a sudden they'll be in difficulty because yeah, yeah. that's their plan A oh, and I don't have a plan B but what will happen I'm sure Davey is that will be one team who either perform at least as badly as we think they're going to be and probably worse might be Sunderland uh, or there'll be at least another team who will punch well, well above their weight. And optimistically, I'd like it to be Everton on the basis of Koeman, you know, Koeman working his magic as the kind of coach that I, I think he is, uh, going on to bigger and better things. I believe his ambition eventually is to manage at Barcelona. So um, I'm sure he's not going to want a negative spell at Goodison Park in his CV to tarnish the possibility of that happening sometime down the line. No, you're absolutely correct. Okay then, folks, well, that's pretty much it from Heart and Hand this week. There's just a couple of bits of housekeeping. Firstly, um, I was sitting with Scott on Saturday, so I lost. Uh, I take my season ticket and I dropped it. And I thought, ah, bugger, I've lost my season ticket. And then I was contacted by a lovely lady called Helena Gray to say that her friend Calvin Stroyan had found my season ticket, or found a season ticket with my name on it, and was it mine? And yes, it was. And, right. and they sent me it home. So Excellent. how kind was that? So uh, to to Helena Gray and to Calvin, I think it's Stroy and it's it's Browns. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving this idiot um, from from all the hassle of <laughs> places season ticket. Okay, then all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles, to tell tell you the listener you can get in touch with us by following us on Twitter. It's at. Uh, Ibrox Rocks, that's uh, R-O-C-K-S if you want to follow us on Twitter and you can come and talk to us on Facebook just search on Facebook for Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. That's everything this week all that it means for me to do is to thank my guest Mr Stephen Smith Thank you very much David and easy to do it with one eye, the radio can be done with one good eye <laughs> uh, there's, there's just so many jokes that are so politically incorrect I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make them um, My name's David Edgar, I have been your host and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers, bye Podcast Network.